Forum the Hockey Podcast. We are back this week on Zoom again and again. Uh, <clears throat> playoff hockey is, has begun in a lot of areas, and it is getting ready to begin in the NHL. Um, BCHL playoffs have just begun. <clears throat> well, not just. They're about a week in. Um, two of those series are already complete. Uh, let me pull it up so I can have my facts right here. Uh, Alberni Valley swept uh, Cowichan Valley uh, in the first round, and Nanaimo swept Surrey. So those two, those two matchups in the BCHL are over. Game five tonight, as as of this recording, anyway, I'll say tonight, but at, of this recording, game five tonight, uh, Penticton and Trail, and uh, yeah. So B, and it's the first first playoffs for the BCHL. On a, as a standalone, so this is their right. first first go around as a standalone outside of the CJHL. Uh, so the winner of the BCHL this year will be the winner. There there won't be winning the BCHL and then buying your earning your way into right. Fred Cup or whatever whatever it is for the for the CJ. So this is your first year as standalone for the BCHL, and it is. Under- you know what I like about watching this and you and I have watched a lot of BCHL hockey for years and years. We paid close attention to the players and the franchises and and the changes. You know, I really admire about that league. Maybe with the exception of the poor merit centennials is you can be terrible for a couple of years and then, and then be an, uh, a championship contender. And they all come and go. Everybody has their has their days in the sun. Their fifteen minutes of fame. Um, you got clubs like Penticton that are constantly at the top. But the rest of the league, they come and go, and and you don't go through these prolonged periods of of doldrums and fan apathy. I really like the way they do things. These clubs rebound. They have a couple of bad years. They draft and develop, and away you go. And now all was, of a sudden, you're a contender. It was just a year, a year or two ago that Coquitlam was actually better than Penticton. They were, yes. they were the top, and now they're one of the last seeds to earn a playoff spot. So it it does vary. And Surrey, Surrey and Langley this year are two of your top teams in the league. So right. whereas last year and the year before, they both floundered down with merit a little bit. So it it is nice. It's um, to me, it makes it f- interesting. It makes it fun because you go, you go in each year going, anybody could take it. And by the end of the season, Oh wow, this team's in first and Oh wow. Uh, Poor merit aside, this team's in last. So I mean, it can it it bounces. It's not the same as salary caps and a bunch of money where right. where that has an effect on the team you build. So oh, you're the contender. Um, you're Tampa Bay winning back to back, potentially back to back to back, depending on what they do this year. So it is nice, um, <clears throat> and you're seeing it a little bit. You're seeing it a little bit too in the NCAA. Um, more and more schools are getting funding. Uh, for recruitment and you're starting to see more and more schools start to compete and start to be relevant. Um, Northern Michigan and the CCHA has been competitive now for a few years. Minnesota state um, five years ago, who was Minnesota state? And now they are, they are several years in a row. Now your national championship favorite and your top, 
your top ranked school. So it's, it, you're starting to see it. It's good. And even in the NHL, you're seeing a little bit of the parody, a little bit more parody where, where on any given night, the top, the top Florida Panthers, Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning can, can drop to Arizona or to, to New Jersey or to poor Montreal, but to Montreal. So it, but per our discussion this week on the emotions of things, Montreal under St. Louis has had quite a resurgence a little bit and is showing signs of a team that could be pretty, pretty damn good in the next year or two. If they continue to do things the right way, if St. Louis stays, I think that's a key. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he does. Um, So it's, it's, you're starting to see more of the parody across the game of hockey, which is cool. Um, it's cool to talk about those positives away from the easy thing, which is the negatives of officiating this or penalties that or whatever. So it's, it's, it's fun to see. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and we didn't, this is, this is unrehearsed, but that's a great segue. I, I've been looking at this and we see the same thing every year. Uh, and, and full marks to Buffalo Sabres for having a great month of March and, and into April, being very competitive, beating a lot of good teams. Detroit Red Wings, same, same deal. New Jersey Devils. Montreal Canadiens, a good example. And it's, it's good for the fan base that the season is not, it, it can seem like it is no longer a total waste, right? So, now it's fun to go back to the building again. No matter who's in town, no matter what it looks like on paper, we've got a chance tonight. But it's much easier to play with no pressure. So, again, full respect to Marty St. Louis, full respect to the players for not giving up, for no matter whether it's Phoenix or Buffalo or who it is that really just had a horrible season. You come in, Phoenix comes into Denver two, three weeks ago or so and knocks off the avalanche, ends their win streak. Never give up, never give in. If you're, if you're worse on paper, tough, go out and play, play your heart out. It's, and this, this plays into the emotion of the game. It is a lot easier to make a three foot putt when it doesn't mean anything. It, it's just when there's pressure to win, pressure to uh, gain a playoff seed, to gain home ice or something like that, these are teams that have a lot more to play for, and you, you start squeezing the stick a little tighter. You Detroit Red Wings, and a lot of these teams have been out of the playoffs since November. Yep. Now a coaching change or a little bit of mojo here and there, and all of a sudden these guys have, they're, you know, win seven out of ten. This is great. Fans are interested again. We don't give up. And that's the right thing to do. But remember that the emotion of the game being such an enormous part of it makes it much easier, right? And you've been through it. Absolutely. You've been through it as a player. You know what it's like to know that there is no expectation. And when you, as a, as a midget double A, was it midget double A? Midget minor double A, yep. Yeah, uh, it, you know, you guys, you knew it was uphill all season long. You played your hearts out, and you scared the crap out of some teams that thought they were going to push you around. 
And it's because you could play with some freedom. You, you didn't have to play with the same kind of pressure. So it, it really does make a difference. Absolutely. Um, on, the, on, the, on that note, and well, real quick, I'll, I'll touch on this and then we'll, we'll dive into it. We're in the Hockey Podcast. Um, you can find us on social media with Facebook and Instagram, War in the Hockey Podcast, at War in the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you like and follow us there. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. Uh, subscribe, rate and review and share. And YouTube. <clears throat> Didn't post last week's episode on YouTube. Um, just with me not feeling great. <clears throat> didn't want to didn't want to ruin the allure of this sexiness that I bring every every week. So I, I kept it off for more for my sake than anything. Um, but YouTube, you can find episodes there when we are able to on Zoom. Um, hopefully when things settle and we get our studio going and we've talked about this before. So appreciate your patience. But when we get our <clears throat> studio going, maybe hopefully we'll get video uh, versions of episodes every week, whether we're in person or not. But that will happen. It will happen at some point, so bear with us. Um, we're on the Hockey Podcast this week. Um, we're going to touch on the emotion of the game, a uh, number of things that go in, <clears throat> can be included in that. Um, but part of the emotion, and, and I want to start off with this and, and get your take a little bit. Um, you see it talked about um, by your uh, Pierre Lebruns and your Ray Ferraros and um, Elliot Friedman's and stuff. And, and I view, I personally view it as just, you know, typical reporting, broadcasting headline searching. Um, but I want to get your take on it. Um, uh, that the talk and the idea of a top team, like a few years ago playing quote, meaningful hockey down the stretch and getting swept in the first round the way Tampa did to Columbus. Um, what kind of, <clears throat> credence do you give to that my because my take on it is is that what do you expect or any team would love to be in florida or colorado's position right now and be in first place are teams supposed to play 500 style hockey just for the sake of being able to say they played meaningful hockey down the stretch so my take on it is that it falls strictly on the organization and the team to make sure that they're prepared come playoff time, whether you finished first or eighth or wherever it was that you are ready to go, no matter how much quote meaningful hockey you played down the stretch. And what I hear a lot from uh, the Pierre Lebruns and, and all this stuff is, Oh boy, how scary it is to be a top team because Ooh, you're not playing meaningful hockey, but what do you expect of them? Are they really supposed to not, run the table and, and be a top seed? Are they really supposed to not compete that way? So I, I want to, I, maybe it's rhetorically seeing you shake your head that you agree with me. So maybe you don't necessarily need to answer, but I want to get your take on, on all that kind of stuff. There, there's not one guy who's ever played, not one coach who's ever coached, not one GM who's ever managed a team or one fan who's ever watched a game that would rather be a wild card, a play-in wild card than a President's Cup winner. You always want to have home ice. You always want to go out every night and win every possible game, period. What happens is it, it comes to your mental toughness. So 
we've been we've had a playoff and now as of this recording both colorado and florida are in the playoffs and we're in early april so what do they have left to play for well home ice advantage and you know and pride so go out and keep winning keep everybody keep everybody on their very very best performance what happens when a team wins the President's Trophy and then comes in and gets swept by uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, as Tampa did a few years ago. You learn what it takes. You learn that lesson, and the really good teams like Tampa, really well-coached teams uh, like John Cooper and teams with great leadership like Stamkos and Hedman, these teams learn what it takes. When I was much younger, um, I saw it happen with the Edmonton Oilers. They were a juggernaut. They went in and played the the old grizzly New York Islanders and got donkey kicked. They learned what it took. And once you learn that lesson, sometimes you have to learn it the hard way by being bounced in the first round, maybe a couple of times, like Toronto Maple Leafs. But once you learn that lesson, then your leadership group and your coaching staff and the, it permeates through your dressing room. Yes, we're in first place. Yes, we've got home ice. Yes, this team finished 28 points behind us in the standings. But if any of you guys start mailing in your effort, you're going to answer to Mark Messier. You're going to answer to Nate McKinnon. You're going to answer to Steve Stamkos. You're going to get in the. You're going to be in the press box. This, you don't know what it takes to win. So if you come in here giggling because you've got it, you, you uh, dominate these guys on paper, you're an idiot. And I'm not going down with you. So once you learn that lesson, then it's no longer a factor. And I will, I'll, answer the, I'll answer your question with one word, and that's maturity. So if you've got a mature team, then you can go in as the President's Trophy winner, and you don't run the risk of mailing in a poor effort if you are if you lack the leadership and the maturity then you absolutely are at risk of being bounced by an eight seed so it's a real thing because teams tend to you got a bunch of 22 year old kids on your team that are you know making millions of dollars they're on top of the social media world how seriously can you possibly take you know, the, the play-in wildcard team, whoever it is. But look out this year because your play-in wildcard team could be Dallas, it could be Nashville, it could be Vegas. Uh, it's not going to happen in the East, but, it, you know, you may be playing Washington. You want to take Washington Capitals lightly right now? No. So maturity, and it comes down to leadership and coaching, and it comes from inside the room and inside the player. Yep. But a, a, an excellent point regarding the emotion of the game well, Spot on. speaking of the emotion i don't know if you heard <coughs> daryl sutter's comments in recent weeks <coughs> um, he's a beauty by the way i love this guy and well, he's, he's a, very he's he's a very good pan so he'll make a comment <laughs> hear their reporters laughing and he just sits there going what what <laughs> um but his his comments are pretty accurate too. It's, it's all about mindset because if you're, um, I'll take one of his comments after they, after Calgary played Colorado and lost, 
he made his first comment, which was, <clears throat> if you are a if you are a wild card team, and you're coming in not expecting to make the playoffs, and then you do and you draw Colorado, it's going to be a waste of eight days. Uh, so yeah. the, the mindset, the, the mindset going with the emotion there that even even in Vancouver or Winnipeg or uh, Vegas or Dallas's position right now, you better have the mindset that you are a playoff team, that you're ready to go, even if you're not in the playoffs at the moment, because when you do, you're going to draw Calgary or Colorado. And it may not end well if your mindset is not right to play that team. So mindset, mindset plays a lot with emotion. Um, so you can't really have, in my opinion, you can't really have an emotion discussion without a mindset discussion. Um, it's a, it, they are, they are absolutely one and the same. And that's why Daryl Sutter's record speaks for itself. That's why Daryl Sutter, uh, has the credibility that he does. That's why anyone named Sutter did what they did. They didn't do it on magic and skill. They didn't do it on dangles and, and trick shots and social media posts. They did it because they outworked anybody they played against every night. You might beat them, but you'll never, ever outwork them. Yep. And his, his message can grow old sometimes, especially with a modern player that's, you know, like I said, he's 22 and he's on a six times five deal. But if you don't want to listen to Daryl Sutter, then don't listen at your own peril because he will show you how to win. He did it in LA. He did it before in Calgary. He did it in Chicago. He's everywhere he's gone. He's been a winner and a contender. And if he didn't win, he made you take a, crap load of aspirin than uh, after it was over with because they he and his five brothers would absolutely outwork anybody you could not possibly outwork them so that's why the two are tied together and you as we always talk about on here whether it's player development as a as a bantam or a junior player or whether it's a, a guy in the show everybody's got skill at this, at that level, when you get to midget AAA, you get to junior, and and on into the minor leagues and the National Hockey League, everybody's got skill. They were all top scorers in their in their youth hockey days. Not everybody works hard. That's why Josh Hosang has never seen the light of day. That's why Dave Reed had a thirteen year career. It's why Doug Smale had a thousand game career. They did it on hard work. They did it on emotion. You couldn't beat them. You, you couldn't beat them emotionally and you couldn't outwork them. So that's what it takes. And, and that's, why, that's why teams go on surprise run. That's what makes a Cinderella story. It's not a Cinderella story. It's a story of like, these are, these are coal miners going to work every day. So well, speaking, speaking of hard work, um, congrats. Uh, Curtis McDurbin or, or earned a two-year contract extension in Colorado. Yeah, good for him. So uh, he's really, really liked in the, in the dressing room, um, really, really liked. Uh, and according to your leadership in Colorado, your Landeskog and your McKinnon, your Bednar, there is nobody that works harder on and off the ice than Curtis McDermott. So, <clears throat> and he's, he's a utility guy. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many much of the Colorado games you've watched, but I've seen several games where in the middle of a game he'll switch. So Bednar will have him starting the game as a fourth line winger. Thirty minutes of gameplay in, he's now on defense. He dresses Evan for the playoffs. Play think about think about the coaching decisions. You dress 13 forwards or seven defensemen. Now you don't have to decide anymore. You, you can have both. And how many guys can do that in the modern era? Name, name five of them that could do both in the modern era. I'd be hard-pressed. So good for him. And he's a great guy. And he's tough as a prison riot. He is, he's got everything you want in a teammate. And, by the way, he is a, he is a playoff guy. He's built for the playoffs in the same mold as Pat Maroon. Uh, and, and you could go right on down the line through, you know, Brian Bickle and guys like that. He's built that way. You, you can't push him around. He'll always defend his teammates. He'll, he'll play hard no matter what. And when the playoff pace slows and the payout playoff intensity comes up, he's going to be a guy that will withstand. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, good on Your superstars fighting. Nathan McKinnon, <laughs> Matt, Matt Dumba, how do you feel about that? Um, uh, you know what? I, I came out and said he's not a fan of McKinnon fighting, but he sure as hell is not going to tell McKinnon not to. Um, no. And that is, that is bang on. He, I, Connor McDavid broke his hand in a fight when he was in Erie uh, in junior. And Missed a couple of weeks or so, but is somebody going to come along and tell him to tone down his emotion, his work ethic, his, like, let the wires cross. That's what makes Nate McKinnon a great player. His, he, is, he is this close to the wires touching all the time. It's what makes him great. You get into it with your teammates. You get into it with your coaching staff. You've seen it. It's what makes him great. It's not because he hates anybody he hates to lose that's what he hates so that's why he works harder than anybody in the offseason that's why he works harder than anybody on the ice let him go I don't want Nate McKinnon and his salary and his meaningfulness to this team or Matt Dumba for that matter I don't want those guys fighting if they do stand back and let them go yep. let them go absolutely um well, before we, before we touch on the main topic of the emotion, which I know we're on the same page with, and that's the uh, Troy Terry, Jay Beagle incident. Um, but uh, I don't see now, I'm, I, now I've completely lost my train of thought. I <laughs> just said what I wanted to say rather than doing that. Um, I think when you, said, when you said we were on the same page, I think <laughs> what really made you sort of lose, uh, lose track. Yes. Um, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Before we touch on it, um, real quick, uh, call back to a few weeks ago. Um, you're more in tune with, uh, because of your relationship with, with uh, former officials, um, with how the setup and the cycle of, of things works. Um, I find it interesting, though, that we have not, since, since that uh, weeks ago, we have not seen a Colorado game officiated by Wes McCauley or uh, TJ. 
Is that a, is that a, is that a cycle just of where, where they fall type of thing? Or is that a, or is that a choice by the league to kind of go, okay, we're going to pull you from this for right now, just to, to keep it fresh. That is, um, that's to, that's to protect the official. It's to protect the teams and most of all, to protect the game. It's not, uh, in some cases, it's an accident, but generally not. It's going to be, yeah, let's just keep everybody out of harm's way. Let's let the game be the star and not the coach throwing sticks on the ice or the official having to tee up a superstar or something like that, or have somebody be like, the best thing you can do is an official is to never be noticeable. It's like being a defenseman. You, you do not want to be noticed. If you are, it's because something went bad. So the, the goal is to never be the lead story. <laughs> you don't ever want officiating to be the lead story. Just let everybody cool down. Everybody respects each other. But in the heat of the moment, as you know, as an official and as a player, and as I know as a coach and a player and, you know, having been through all that, boy, the last thing you want to do after getting tossed out of a game or having uh, lost a, a tough one because of some real controversial calls one after another or non-calls, the last thing you want to do is see that guy again tomorrow night or Saturday or whatever. Give everybody a break. So that, yeah, that I think brings up an interesting question too that I'm sure some people are curious about. Um, after moments like that, do you think? Do you use? Uh, do you know or do you think um, TJ and uh, Gabe Landeskog met and shook hands, cleared the air a little bit, or yeah. or have they just left it and haven't spoken since? In in ninety five percent of the cases, the air gets cleared. The, the officials don't want to be at odds with a player or a coach. They don't want to have to see this guy seven or eight, ten times a year for the next 20 years and have the same lingering problem, just like with the other players. It's a little different with the players because you have to battle with them, but you, you're not out there as an official to battle with the players and the coaches. So in any possible case where – the opportunity exists to meet in the runway after or to reach out on by text or something like that and clear the air. They'll laugh it off and it'll be fine. I mean, in, in, in the heat of battle, you know what it's like. You get in fights with teammates in practice. You get in a screaming match with your coach at practice or on the bench. It happens. There's, and that goes back to the emotion of the game. But the mature player like Landis Gog, mature official like TJ, they're going to, they're going to say, Hey, uh, you know, no hard feelings, just doing my job. You know, we didn't see it the same way. See you around, you know, and, and they'll clear it up. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm going to pull up, your, to the, I'm going to pull up your topic email here. Just make sure we're covering everything. <clears throat> well, this is, you know, one, one other, one other thing before we get to the main, topic of emotion here uh, at the Anaheim incident. <clears throat> and I'm not 100% sure that we're on the same page with this one. It'll be interesting to see. Well, what I mean by same page is that we're, we're on the same page is the big talking point. Um, 
per the emotion of the of the of the game because it's the big it's the most relevant situation that's happened recently <clears throat> i know for a fact and this is the not nerve-wracking part but this is the this is the part that i knew coming into this were were i know we're not 100% on the same page with how that went down um okay. but but i know we i know we're on the same page enough to know that it's it's the talking point. It's the, when you talk about and think of the emotion of, of the game and of things, it's the, um, it's the one to talk about because it's the most recent one that has to do with, with the emotion and with how a game goes and all this stuff. So, um, let's see. So Uh, the only thing, the only thing that I would like to point out with respect to the emotion of the game and, and for anybody who doesn't understand how big of a, role it plays or or is not clear on what we're trying to get at picture yourself in second intermission you're sitting in the dressing room and you're up three to one or you're down three to one one or the other you're on one side of that score or the other and you go out into the third period and at the 12 minute mark the team that's down scores now who's got the advantage now you know at the at the 16 minute mark they score again you go into overtime who's got the advantage they're tied or or maybe i'm up three to two but now i'm playing cautious i'm playing i i'm just trying to play not to lose the advantage always goes to the team that's coming back whether it's in a series or in a game, you just, the emotion is unmistakable and you've seen it every night in every game you've ever watched. Team scores a goal to get within one or to tie the game. The bounce gets in your step. Now you've got a huge emotional advantage over the other, time, other team, regardless of the skill level, regardless of the matchups, regardless of the standings totally irrelevant you've now got them right where you are and that's that's the difference in the emotion and and if you've got it and you don't have to you don't have to be down and kicked around to get the emotion the 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 fight or flight kind of emotion then great maybe you don't ever have to be in that position not many people can do that so that's what we're that's what we're trying to get to yeah, 100%. So, going the Ducks. So, um, <laughs> Ducks were up 5 nothing, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, and scrum happens in front of uh, Arizona's net. Terry comes in. Beagle puts kind of a licking on him. Um, and then it kind of blew up. Um, here... <clears throat> There's two ways for me to look at it. Um, one, I always go to, I always go to a lot of incidents you see. I go to earlier that I earlier this year, Gabe Landeskog and Matthias Ekholm. Yeah. Uh, when Ekholm ripped Rantanen's helmet off and and threw it down the ice and was doing all these things, and then Landeskog bloodied him. Um, moments like that. I always draw on that. 
don't play tough guy unless you're ready to be a tough guy. Um, Absolutely. So in, in that situation, uh, you know, Troy Terry comes in and grabs Jay Beagle. Don't grab Jay Beagle unless you're prepared for what Jay Beagle might do. Um, that's that's my stance on it. Where where I where I have an issue with what happened is that when Troy Terry is down, there's a sportsmanship level here where you leave it be. Jay Beagle taking shots at Troy Terry and and bloodying him and swelling his eye and doing these things while he's on the ice. Th- that much I have a problem with. This is not a this is not a fight where they fall to the ice. And, and things are still jumbled while the linesmen jump in and somebody might get another shot in. Um, if you watch the replay, Jay Beagle took liberties with Troy Terry while he was on the ice. That much, that much, I, that is what I have an issue with. Um, Jay Beagle's response to what happened to, to getting grabbed, no issue. It's, it's physical. It's a game of hockey. If you're not ready to be a tough guy, then don't act like one. It's the it's the liberties that Jay Beagle took while Troy Terry was on the ice that that I have an issue with. Um, the, the difference, Evan, is this was an angry fight. This was this was a fight of pure anger. Uh, this wasn't one of those respect things where you know your guy ran my guy, and now we're the two heavyweights, so we got to go or. I'm trying to make the roster. Will you please give me a fight? You know, we got no issue, but I need a fight. Can you give me one? And guys do that for each other all the time. This was one of just pure anger. And I, I'll, give, I'll give you a little bit of background that goes before that. I respect and I have no issue with the skill level that it takes to be Trevor Zegras and what he's done. It's, it's kind of the new way that the league is going, and I got no problem with it. If you can get away with that stuff, do so. It doesn't sit well with everybody, as we've discussed. It, it is not popular everywhere that guys do that stuff. And when you, what happened that leading up to this incident was he had already pulled off one of the lacrosse goals earlier in the night. Yeah. <laughs> go for it if you can do that do it but now you're up five nothing and there is a maybe maybe not a loose puck in front of the in front of the uh, was it um Videlka, Vemelka, or whatever the guy's name is who is whatever his name is yeah yeah in in that for for the coyotes Zegers, they're up five nothing, and he's he's whacking away at what he says was a loose puck. Yep. That's that's going to get you in trouble at our at our East West game. You're up five nothing. You've scored a lacrosse goal. Yeah, you're a showboat. You're a hot shot. Jay Beagle is not. He's a plumber. He's a mucker. He's a hardworking guy. He had enough. He had had enough. That's going to get you a cross check to the back of the neck every time. And forgive me for this. You may not like to hear this, but it should. You ought to get your ass kicked. 
And I don't care if you're Troy Terry or Trevor Zegris or anybody else in this league, if you are showboating and digging at a loose puck when you're up 5 nothing in the third period, you better be ready to defend yourself. Now, one a point of respect for Troy Terry, he is not a tough guy. Like you said, he's, an, he's, a, he's a skilled player, good dude. He came to the rescue of a teammate. He came in there to try to protect his guy. And Beagle kicked the crap out of him for it. Full marks to Troy Terry for trying to get in there and, and look after his teammate. But his teammate ought to be slapped for digging around at a loose puck up 5 nothing, and then saying, what? What's everybody so mad about? Well, look, maybe you don't like to – maybe you don't mind losing, and you are losing. Your team is terrible, and you're getting, you're getting donkey kicked three nights out of four. Maybe that doesn't bother you. It doesn't seem to bother players in the NBA to lose a game by 35 points and have guys slam dunking on them in the fourth quarter. Okay, if that doesn't bother you, then fine. But it bothers a lot of guys. And if it doesn't bother you, then shame on you. If you're down 5 nothing and you got a guy celebrating and showboating and digging at loose pucks and, and kicking your goaltender around and you don't get mad about it, why are you playing? Why do you play river hockey and go out and do trick shots and stuff? I, I had, I think Trevor Zegras lit that fuse. He shouldn't have. Somebody gets laugh or somebody on that team needs to take him aside and teach him a little respect for the game, a little respect for his opponent. I've got no issue with the kid and his skill level. That was an incident that never should have happened. And that's a brash young kid. There's a, there's a sportsmanship and, factor that goes in play across the board. Um, if you've got that skill, great. There's no reason why you shouldn't be allowed to use it. No. If you can successfully do it. Um, right. <clears throat> however, whether it's 5 nothing or it's 12 nothing or whatever the score is, there comes a point in a game where it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to win said game and continuing to do things, <clears throat> you know, like when we were younger, continuing to skate to the hash marks and winding up for a big slap shot when you're up seven to two and there's 90 seconds left, there's only one purpose for you doing that. And it's now trying to show up the other team's goaltender or, or do something stupid. Uh, so there's a respect factor and a sportsmanship factor that goes across the board. Um, and the Arizona broadcast made comments of it. I don't know if you heard it um, while the incident was going on. Uh, I don't know word for word. I did not. It was along the lines of if these young Anaheim kids want to act this way, then what do they think is going to happen? Um, My point. So, and that's a hundred percent correct. To me, to me, we can't scream sportsmanship that way and not point to sportsmanship the other way, um, especially if it's Zegers who lit the fuse and Troy Terry's doing what it what to your point for in the Jay Beagle stance, what any hockey player would do in a situation. Well, Troy Terry's doing what any hockey player would do. He's he's coming to the defense of a teammate, or what any hockey player should do. Should he come in defense of a teammate or not? not prepared or not expecting that 
it might get a little rough. Sure, he he needs to expect that whether he's a fighter or not. But Absolutely. but uh, you talk about that being an angry fight more than a respect sportsmanship fight. Okay. Um, to me, the sportsmanship factor comes into play that Beagle needs to understand that it's not Troy Terry doing a lacrosse move and it's not Troy Terry showboating. Troy Terry's doing what Jay Beagle would do and he's defending a teammate. Yeah. So I'll do what I need to because Troy Terry from behind and grabbed me. But once Troy Terry is, is down or once the linesman jumps in, I'm done. Like, Troy Terry's not Trevor Zegers. I'm done. So to me, to me, there's a respect factor here that Troy, Troy Terry, fighter or not, is on the ice and yep. you're taking shots at him. Yep. You're taking, you're taking liberties with him. Angry or not, that doesn't fly. There's a respect factor amongst players, the Players Association, that that doesn't sit well. And rightfully so. And I, so it goes, it goes both ways. You I know, see. Don't, and don't not, rip off a player's helmet, throw it down the ice, and then be shocked that Gabe Landeskog puts your face into the ice. Well, don't they, don't be shocked say, that Jay Beagle, angry about what's going on, turns around and takes his anger out on you. Don't be shocked yeah. by that. At the same time, your $9 million hockey professional athletes have the wherewithal and the common sense to turn around and realize, wait a minute, yeah, he plays for Anaheim, but that's not Trevor Zegers. So I'll respond to him grabbing me, but once that's done, it's done. No liberties, no no issues. It would be, it'd be different, and I'm not condoning any type of violent situations that can end bad. Um, and I'm definitely not comparing to anything that's happened in the past. All I'm saying is, you know, and and I know that you stand with me on on not having those those moments that we saw from Todd Bertuzzi or anybody else. But right. but the point is, and I'm not condoning it necessarily. But the point is, it'd be one thing if it was Trevor Zegers. Jay Beagle turns around and puts a licking on Trevor Zegers. Here's your message. Here's your lesson. It wasn't Trevor, Trevor Zegers. So you're, you're in the right, you're good. Now Troy Terry's on the ice, you leave it. It, it. It's a sportsmanship factor across the board. And emotions run high, the emotions of the game, that's the topic this week. But there's a respect factor of keeping emotions in check a little bit True. to understand what the situation is. The, if, if Beagle could have gotten his hands on Zegers, if he could have cross-checked Terry and done away with him and then found Zegris, I think that would have been ideal. But he didn't. So this is not going to be the most popular thing that I ever say on this podcast, but Troy Terry's blood is on Zegris's hands. And just like we talked about a long time ago when uh, I believe it was Toronto, Vancouver playoff many, many years ago, 30 years ago. Guys are running Doug Gilmore. I think it was Gino Ojik in, in Vancouver's running Doug Gilmore a couple times. When Clark comes on the ice, he stands next to Pavel Bure, who's a little skilled guy. And he says, if, if they touch Gilmore one more time, you're dead. I don't, it's not you, you're not doing it. But you go back to your bench and you tell Ojik if he touches our guy one more time, you are dead. You're leaving here on a stretcher. And yeah, I get it. 
but you can't always find the right guy. Well, so sometimes you just got to say, I'll take anybody in a sweater that'll, that'll that I can find. I'm going to grab where stand, anything. That's where I stand and, with it is, is believe it or not, I, I'd have a lot more respect for the situation too, from Jay Beagle's standpoint. If Jay Beagle went up and he, he tried to get Zegers, I want Zegers and Zegers didn't answer. Yeah. So Jay Beagle at the next face-off or the next time these two teams play each other, depending on how much time's left in the game or whatever, goes, okay, fine. And he runs at Troy Terry. Right. Now you're now you're looking at a situation of, okay, Zegers, here's your lesson. You answer for this or somebody else is gonna have to. Right. I, d- I get in, that. in that in that moment though, you're still in the heat of that moment. Going at, going at Troy Terry first before doing anything with Zegris or trying to, to me, that's, that's a problem to me. That might be my opinion only to me. That's an issue. You try and get at Zegers, you you get at Zegers, you grab at him, you do this and that he proves that he's not going to do anything fine next time. All right. Now I'm running at Troy Terry. Like we talk about all the time. It was the, you know, Taylor Hall hit on Nathan McKinnon. Taylor Hall doesn't want to answer. Fine. Then put, McDermott or Landeskog yeah. out there and take a run at Danton Heinen or at Bergeron or Pasternak or somebody like that. Fine. After you've tried to get the guy responsible to be responsible, um, right. which didn't happen. And that's from the, that's from the replay. Matter. There was no, from the replay, I didn't see anything from Beagle reaching at Zegris. He just no. turned around and went right at Troy Terry. And to me, that's not that doesn't fall in line with that type of situation now you're just now you're just being almost a goon like that you know and everything like that jay beagle's never been that way he plays tough he plays a third and fourth line role if you remember many years ago he was the guy do you remember aaron asham doing the old uh the old go to sleep move when he was in Pittsburgh, that was Jay Beagle that he knocked out. So Jay Beagle's not a fighter. He's not a goon. He's a, he's a tough player. He's a, he's a grinder. That's just simply a matter of, and, and he understands the code. He understands the respect as well as anyone. That particular three or four seconds was just a matter of building for two and a half periods we're down five, nothing in our own building. We're getting ass kicked. I've had it. I am so tired of losing. I am so tired of these young kids showboating. I'm so tired of that little prick doing that lacrosse move. I can't see straight. The wires touch when he starts slapping the goaltender after the whistle. And we're not thinking about retribution the next time we see him. We're not thinking about finding Trevor Zegris next time I play these guys and trying to get him to answer for his own problems. We're not thinking about the proper way to do it. I'm going to grab anything in an Anaheim sweater and start wailing. And that's all it was. And and this goes back to the game of emotion. Oh, hundred percent. I, I, I think it's, I think it's, is it right? Probably we're not. The same, we're on the same. We're more on the same page than I thought we'd be with a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, I, get I, it. I get it, and I get that. I get why um, why it happened. Um, 
my my only point when you talk about emotions and i'm not out there i'm not making nine million a year i'm not playing in the nhl i'm not trying to compete for a stanley cup i'm sitting here in my in a desk chair talking about it on a, on a podcast but to me i like to think that these professional athletes are capable of checking emotions a bit and to me to me and and maybe it's my point maybe the point doesn't make any sense but to me the way to have done it in that situation was Troy Terry grabs me. I grab him back. And if he starts taking little shots at me, fine. But unless that happens, I grab him back and we give face washes and that's kind of it. My concern is Troy Terry or not Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers. That's my concern. He's showboating. He's taking shots. That's my concern. If I can't get him, or more importantly, he refuses to answer, then at the next face-off or the next time we meet or whenever, now I skate by him in warm-ups and I tell him, because of you, Troy Terry's getting it. Yeah. Or because of you, this or that's going to happen. And then, then you get Troy Terry. To me, that would have been a more, how do I want to say it, more appropriate emotional response to what it, to what occurred you're right maybe that's just me but you're right it, but in in that particular moment when you've got a team that is statistically the worst team in the league jay beagle's a proud guy he's been a he's been a real he's been a slugger for a long time he's been a grinder in this league for a long time he's sick of losing he's sick of being down five nothing in his own building He's sick of being embarrassed, and I'm just, I'm not making excuses for it. It's no different than a guy throwing his club in the pond because he hit a bad shot. It's just, you know better than that. It's not the club's fault. You just, I, like, I'm so, I, I'm so spun up right now. I can't, I can't decide what's right and wrong necessarily for a few seconds here, and I'm just going to grab somebody in the other sweater. I don't care who it is. And I'm not saying that's the right way to go. I'm just saying it does happen. And in that situation, you bring it on yourself. The other, the other issue to be concerned with here is why, why is your top line on the ice when you're up 5 nothing? Why, why are you not? And, and, and I get the same issue with, with um, Steve Moore being on the ice in the third period of that game up seven to two against the Canucks in 2004. Why was he even there? Yeah. Don't put these guys out there. This kid scored a lacrosse goal. He's a young kid. He's not going to be able to defend himself. The other team is pissed off. Why is he there? You're up five, nothing. Give the third and fourth line a chance. Well, throw maybe your, our throw favorite, your guys out there and let them get some minutes. Our favorite goaltender may not like this, but maybe it's a, maybe it's an organizational issue. Maybe there's maybe there's something with Eakins and how they, how they do things because to me you're 100 percent correct. To me, the the situation would have would breed what we talk about in the past all the time, which is which is you're not a playoff team, you're not there. This is the perfect time to call some people up and give some guys some ice time. See what right. they can do in, in in a game situation. Test test out these young kids. See what they can bring. All this stuff. Well, it's the same situation. You're up five nothing. Whether you're a playoff team or not, this is the perfect time. 
you know that Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers can put up 40 goals a year. You're not really, that's not really a question. No. Put, put your third and fourth lines in, call somebody up, do something, let them have some moments here to see what they can do because that's how you rebuild and grow. And that was a failed missed opportunity by, by Eakins and the organization, just like it was in, in 2004 when with the avalanche and, and to show that I'm being objective and not pointing at anybody, everybody else, but my own team, I'll say, I'll say this. I think it was an organizational thing with Colorado back then. You're Trevor Moore was not a dirty player, but he hit, he hit Marcus Nasland somebody's going to answer for that because Marcus Naslin is your star. So what ends up happening ends up happening and it shouldn't have because you you needed to have somebody out there who could have answered the bell. So whether that was Chris Simon or whoever the, or Dingman or whoever the, the guy was for Colorado back then, somebody needed to be out there in the third period on the ice, not Steve Moore. Because you have to understand, seven to two, you're in Vancouver. You're embarrassing them. The last time you played them, Steve Moore hit Naslin knee on knee, and now not only are you playing them again, but now you're embarrassing them while while doing it. So you're winning well, seven to two after you went knee to knee with somebody. Be prepared that, and I'm and I'm not saying that the proper response was what Todd Bertuzzi did, but be prepared that somebody is going to want to answer for what's going on. And he did. And if you remember that game <laughs> and you were young then, I don't know, but I mean, you were like 11 or 12. Uh, Steve Moore fought Brad May earlier that night. He answered, he, he went out and, you know, he gave Brad May the fight. He, he stood up and, and took responsibility for himself. He should have been nowhere near the ice in the third period. He should have been nowhere near the ice when they got up three or four goals. And either he or his teammates or somebody should have corrected the coaching staff and said, do not put him out there. There's going to be trouble. That was, and your point is correct about the, the proper response, the appropriate response when somebody does something disrespectful to you and, and show, shows up your team when you're down. That was the worst of all worlds. That was two weeks later after the Steve Moore Nasland incident at center ice. Nasland had his head down. He led through center ice with his head at like below chest level and he got clocked. Keep your head up. Who, you know, so Moore goes out and fights Brad May. Situation over. Issue resolved, done, move on. Now you're down 7-2 and you're still putting him out there. Todd Bertuzzi, who had a good career and was by all other accounts a pretty good guy, he had two weeks to think about it. He had two weeks to think about, you know, if this guy won't answer the bell, then I'm going to go uh, Then I'm gonna go after Joe Sackick or I'm going to go after Forsberg or somebody like that. He did the worst of all things. He waited two weeks and then went after the guy after more when he had already fought Brad May. It was the worst, most cowardly incident I've ever seen. So that was that was not a, a situation of instant emotion and instant like throwing gas on a fire. That was simply premeditated 
and it was it, it wasn't right. And if you remember, you remember her interview early on with Greg Wilson. You remember that? Uh, he, I remember uh, having him on. Yeah, yeah. He talked about going to training camp with Washington Capitals, and I don't. You probably don't know Rod Langway, but Rod Langway was a great defenseman, a great stay-at-home, big, heavy-duty defenseman in in Washington for many, many years. And he went around Langway in in training camp. And I don't know if it was the first or second time he dangled around him. And then he kind of woke up laying against the end boards. And Langway just broke his stick over, over the back of Greg's shoulders. And he said, kid, don't ever show me up again. Don't do that. So there's a point where if you remember back to playing where we got up a couple of goals and we're obviously in control of the game and it is just run the clock get it over center dump it and change keep the clock moving just whatever you do don't go down and do a bunch of between the legs stuff we're up by four it's the third period start the bus let's go home Let's just get everybody out of here the easy way. Let's not do anything stupid. The only time, and I'll, for the sake of full disclosure, it was before you were playing, we were playing our arch rival, Arapaho. And we were up, I believe it was 6 nothing in the second period, at the end of the second period. And we were, we were pushing them around badly. <laughs> there was a face-off in their end with four seconds left in the second period. We pulled our goaltender. But that was, and that was a, that was a really poor thing to do. It, it was not good sportsmanship and I, I take full responsibility for it, but it was our rival. It was the Red Wings and the Avalanche back in the heyday. And it just happened, and it was a total up yours. It was a complete rub your nose in it. I've got you down by a touchdown, and I'm going to pull my goaltender to try to get one more with four seconds left in the second period just because I don't like you, and I don't care what you think about it. And that's all it was. And that's not the way it should happen. No, no. So well, I was a part of it freshman sophomore year of high school at playing Arapo at Magnus and the whole Pune fight incident with the Arapaho and the stick over the head and the, you know, yeah. stuff. so I, I get it. It's, um, I don't know, maybe I give people too much credit than make more credit than they deserve. I just, I just view it as there, there comes a point where you're in a position where there's really no excuse, but for you to have some checks and balances with your emotions a little bit not saying that Jay Beagle shouldn't have done this or that this or that was, was wrong or whatever, but checks and balances a little bit, because at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't Troy Terry doing anything. It was, you know, it wasn't this or that. You see it a lot in scrums where face washes is all you do. And then, and the main culprit is the one who has to throw. So So, it's, it's one of those, I, I don't know. It's to me, in past incidents and and you see it based on it from past incidents um where things have changed um past incidents it's 
an organizational thing. Steve Moore should not have been on the ice. And whether that's, whether that's Bob Hartley's doing or, or whoever it was, Steve Moore answered to Brad May, you're now up seven to two. Yeah. Steve Moore might be your, your middle six, bottom six guy who, who should get some ice time, but you're also your fingers on the pulse here. You're the one in the building, feel the heat of what's going on here. And, and realize that Steve Moore, even if he answered to, to Brad May, Steve Moore is going to be the target of this because he's, he's, he's fresh with it while also losing 7-2. to two, Steve Moore is now going to be the guy they go. So let's keep Steve off the ice. Pull a hammy, put him in the showers. Whether it's Bob Hartley's doing, whether it's at Dallas Eakins with, with the most recent one, I don't know. Um, Here's another question for you, and, and this is – kind of rhetorical. Anaheim has recently gotten rid of McDermott, Curtis McDermott and Josh Manson, two very tough customers. McDermott came from LA. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought he, well, okay. At one time he was, uh, he was in Anaheim, I think. Yeah. He, but, he came from LA to, to Colorado. Manson, Manson was, uh, Manson and Lindholm are the recent ducks that have, that have left. When when a team like Colorado wants to gear up for the playoffs, any team, not just Colorado, any team wants to gear up for the playoffs, are the, who are they looking for? Now, yes, they're a little cheaper, but if you don't have that deterrent in your lineup or in your press box, you're in trouble, and you're going to get guys like Troy Terry beat up. And I put that back on, temporarily anyway, the Anaheim Ducks organization for not having anybody there that can protect your young guys. You got Drysdale, who's about 5'10". You got Terry, who's a, a skilled guy. Zegris, who's a skilled guy. Who's protecting these guys? Do you? The Rangers went out and got Ryan Reeves. Everybody in that roster now is about 6'4 and 230 because Revo's around. Tom Wilson, Wayne but Simmons. To me, that, to me, that comes to a leadership thing. Get get some guys that can protect your boys. You got a bunch of whispery little twenty-one year olds. Get some muscle in that lineup. To and me, it's a leadership. Teams will not push you around. Jay Beagle didn't have to look over his shoulder for anyone. There's nobody in that in that organization that is a threat to Jay Beagle. To me, it's a leadership thing. Um, Ryan Getzlaff's capable of throwing. He's injured, but yeah. Um, but yeah, he's injured, but still it's a leadership thing. It's, it goes back to um, respect, sportsmanship, whatever else. It goes back to, you know, Chara wringing Marshan's neck for licking people and for, for doing <laughs> things like that. Cause you know, it happened. I'm not the biggest yeah. Marsh Marshan fan. You know that, but in the way he's played the game in recent years, you're going to tell me that he just miraculously matured and changed? No. After the playoff battle against against Tampa Bay with Ryan Callahan and all these things, I can guarantee you, I don't have to be in that room, I can guarantee you Chara and Bergeron grabbed him and pinned him to the wall and said, that's not how this shit goes. And no, as a result, that. like Marchand or not, his game has become better in how he handles things. He's getting suspended so, a little less. So 
you know, New York. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. You know where I stand with it, that Tom Wilson wasn't suspended for what he did. But right. in response to it, New York went out and added Ryan Reeves. That's how you handle it. Colorado was a cup cup contender last year the way they are this year, but they got bounced in the second round, and they didn't just get bounced. After the first two games, they got embarrassed. They they, they got embarrassed in all facets of the game. And they got pushed around. the biggest one being they got pushed around physically. So you're gearing up for the playoffs this year. What does Sackick do? Josh Manson, Cogliano. He brought in McDermott in the offseason. You're getting Johnson is Eric Johnson is healthy. McCarr is no slouch. You're 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 now geared up to where now you can not only play f- physically, but you can respond physically. And that's nowhere a guarantee that the Avalanche are Cup winners this year. Anything can happen, but they're at least better prepared now for how a series will be played. You don't need McDermott in the lineup every night, but if you start to see that your that your series matchup against X opponent is getting pretty heated, pretty physical, you can now for games three, four, and five can have McDermott in the lineup, and and that helps you not get pushed around so much. So it's how you you can put him on the ice to start the game. You can you can put him on the starting roster. That'll send enough of a message. But it, it goes to show you how effective controlled emotions can be. Exactly. Um, and this is what I happens. I guess that's the point I'm getting at is, yeah, there's the heat of the moment. And I've been in the heat of the moment in hockey games before shit happens. But if you're, if you don't control those emotions, things can get bad real quick. And we've seen it happen in, in the past, not comparing the Jay Beagle incident to Todd Bertuzzi, but the Todd Bertuzzi thing is worst case scenario when you don't control your emotions and you don't have somebody grab Todd Bertuzzi and go take a cold shower and cool the hell off. Yeah. More, more fought may he were done. It's done. It leave it. Somebody, you know, somebody has got to control things a little bit because like of an active volcano or anything else, you don't, do things properly, it will blow. Something's gotta something's gotta be there to keep things under control. Whether that's a coach, whether that's proper leadership, controlled emotion leaves you in a position to where your response is much more understood and accepted than yeah, if you're exactly. just going off 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 the handle. So I agree. But anyway. Um so on to uh NC2A. Yes. Um, this afternoon, I don't know when this will drop, but this afternoon we've got the semis, DU and, and Michigan. As of this as of this recording, this won't drop today, but as of this recording, um, the the semifinals for the Frozen Four kicks off this afternoon. Uh, Denver and Michigan um, going at That'll be a good matchup. Um, Fantastic. And then I believe it's and tomorrow. So I believe it's tomorrow. I'd have to look at the schedule. Uh, Minnesota, Minnesota State play um, for the right to go to the national championship. So that'll that'll be that'll be good. Unfortunately, um, for certain reasons, can't watch it in this household. But it'll be um, good hockey nonetheless. So if you're able to, um, 
make sure you sit down and enjoy that. That'll be yeah. Again, it, it, for everybody listening, whether it's whether it's your local, um, your state or provincial bantams, midgets, peewees, if it's junior hockey, junior A, provincial junior, major junior, whatever it is, NCAA, get out and see it, support it, go see it. It's fantastic. It's passionate. Uh, these are guys playing for the love of the game. And for most of them, for 95% of the players that you'll see from the NC2A on down, they may be playing their very last game. And there's a ton of emotion and a ton of passion in it. And it is a beautiful thing to see. Get out and support it. Um, Again, whether it's local minor hockey or collegiate level or or junior, it it is great stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, everywhere you turn, there's meaningful hockey being played somewhere. Um, USHL, we didn't even touch on the USHL. Uh, They put on, they put on good, uh, good hockey games. Uh, They're getting to the end of their season. If they haven't already, again, forgive us for not, for not touching on that Uh, major junior, even they're getting down to the wire with that too. Um, BCHL and other leagues in the CJHL, Alberta and, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, um, they're they're getting to their playoffs. Um, NCAA getting down to the national championship home stretch for the uh, NHL and their, and their season to the playoffs. Um, so a lot of good hockey. Uh, close out real quick on. It's hard on a podcast to do these types of moments, like a, a moment of silence or anything, just because of dead air or whatever, but uh, take a moment for uh, the Humboldt Broncos four years ago. And uh, don't ever forget if, uh, if you don't know the story, which if you're a hockey person, I don't know how you wouldn't, um, but look it up, jump on the fancy Google machine and uh, type in the Humboldt Broncos. And I'm sure it'll be the first link that pulls up because that's something that doesn't just easily go away Um, and read about it. I have a, I have one, one thing that I really, really feel strongly about with respect to that, and first of all, yes, don't ever let that be forgotten. These are these are boys, they're they're sons and brothers and and teammates that um, that are missed every day. They were just out doing their thing. They were do- uh, they got on the bus just like kids do every day all across North America. Don't let them be forgotten. There was another incident at the same time that was overshadowed by the Humboldt bus crash. And that was, I believe his name was Jeff Petra, young, young boy from Ottawa that had a horrendous, a heart wrenching skin condition and lost that battle at the age of like 11 or so at the same time of the bus crash. And I don't remember the artist, but there's a painting out there. I believe the bus crash was on the 6th, and I I think Jeff died on the same day or the day after. And forgive me for not knowing, but an artist did a painting of of all of the lost Broncos standing in heaven, with their sweaters on and their sticks. And the new guy came up, Jeff. And this is a painting of a, 
you know, of the, the hockey game, the pond hockey game in heaven. And Jeff comes up, uh, Jeff Petra, and one of the Broncos says, hey, you want to play? Yep. Great painting. Look it up. Don't forget. Yep. Yep. Never forget. So The emotions of the game are what, are what make it great. And uh, don't lose that. Let them go. The boys will figure it out. Yep. They always do. Yep. Absolutely. Cheers to Humboldt Broncos. And, um, yep. It's, uh, you do it right, that's something that you never have to forget. So, um, whether it be Humboldt Broncos or how you honor, honor um, military and all that stuff, that's uh, arguably more important than how Jay Beagle chooses to respond to things yeah. or anything like that. So, um, you know, a lot. Of, I, I don't like the Broncos, and uh, yeah, so I don't like to make fun of anything that, and I'm not making light of anybody that that gets the crap beat out of them, but. You know, it's a tough game. It's a violent game. Boys will be boys. Emotions run high. It's what makes it great. It's why we love it. It's if you've ever seen a game with no emotion in it whatsoever, which is all too common, it stinks. It's like watching continental drift. It's no good. Controversy is what makes the world go around. If you, you know, tell us, tell us what you think. A lot of things happen today that, that you may like, you may hate. We'd love to hear. We're open to uh, we're open to any opinion and and any kind of input, and we're always willing to listen to how wonderful and right we are. And um, you know, it just proves what kind of what kind of open minded guys we really can be. Because we are, <laughs> we don't have an ounce of stubbornness in us at all. Um, we're on the Hockey Podcast Facebook and Instagram. Um, we're on the Hockey Podcast at Warm the Hockey Podcast. Uh, engage with us. Yep, share stories. Engage with us. Ask questions. Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. And subscribe, rate, and review, and share. Uh, family, friends, anybody you know, continue to help us grow. YouTube, um, exception of a few weeks here and there, uh, YouTube uh, will be. Um, an active thing for our, our zooms and our, our video versions. So make sure you subscribe there and enjoy. Um, we're on the hockey yeah. podcast emotions of the game. Thanks for joining on zoom this week. My pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, I'm Evan Rauer with the world hockey podcast. We'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. See you. Cheers. Cheers.